Hey, we want to welcome Irma. Is that right? Irma. Make her stand up. From Argentina. She drove a long way to get here this morning. That's, that's Pamela's mom. Lord bless you. Thank you for coming. Yeah, that she inspired the box. We prayed for her to go to get here and get her visa, etc. And the Lord instantly answered her prayer. So we said, let's just get in on this. Amen. Well, bless her while she's here, Lord. Ooh, thank you, Lord. Well, I was telling in the first service I hadn't preached in so long I'd forgotten how to preach. And so I had, you sort of try to figure out how to preach again, preaching to them. And I don't know if I really figured it out, to tell you the truth. So you're just gonna have to you're just gonna have to go with me this morning. Hey, that was a great last Sunday. That dude from India, was that a download or what? That was a major download. If you didn't we're not here. Get the uh, get on the internet and get his site. Get off and you know get his message, because there's like at least three things that he said that were very much like a download from heaven. That if you could just receive them, that could you could receive a real impartation. It was a really awesome message. I love that guy. Do y'all love him? Yeah. yeah, it was really good. All right, thank you, Lord. The Lord's good, isn't he? Uh, y'all are going to have to help me because, like I say, I didn't really get it worked out in the first service, so it's sort of pitiful, really. But it's so much easier to come to church and not do anything. I woke up this morning and thought, oh, no, i got to preach today. Oh, no. It's so much easier to come and somebody else does, you know, just enjoy what somebody else is doing. Hint, hint. So, you know what I'm saying? So it's easy to not do nothing. This takes a little bit of effort to do something but this is good the lord really is wanting to help us with the foundations of our life okay that's really what the revelation is uh let me read proverbs 9 1 it says lady wisdom has built and furnished her home it is sorted supported by seven hewn timbers seven columns seven so that's speaking of foundations in your christian life and Paul the Apostle said uh, that no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And so what God really wants to do is God is really interested in building a house both personally and corporately. But you can't, if you've got a bad foundation, your house won't stand. Okay, so one thing the Lord's really been trying to do to help us for a few months down in our church is help us to go back and look at our foundations. Okay, to see what I look like. In my house, there's a place in my floor. I have wood floors in our house. And there's a, a place about the size of a uh, small plate, like a saucer, about that big around. And it's where we had a problem in our floor one time, and they went up under it and they cut the subfloor out. Okay? They cut the subfloor out, and they didn't put it back in. So that one spot, it's like a saucer there. It's sunk down. Okay, about as much as a saucer sinks down. It's because there's nothing under it to support it. Can you imagine what your house would do if somebody came under your house and pulled one of your, the columns that's supporting your house out? Okay, well, that's... Can you imagine that? Just put that in your mind. This is really what we're talking about here. We're talking about having our house, the columns under our house, the thing that... The foundations of our house, the thing that supports us as believers, looking at that and seeing if it's really right. Okay, seeing if it's really the thing. And um, so that's really what the cross, we've been talking about the cross for a long time. And we talked about seven, you know, just Scripture here, seven uh, columns or seven truths or seven revelations. Like seven times Jesus bled uh, is a foundational thing in every believer's life is looking at those seven times he bled. Like, for instance, how many would like to, to have the work of their hands blessed? Right? Well, Jesus bled where? In his hands, where he was pierced in his hands. Uh, and that's, you see, that gives us access. Okay? That part of our life. That's, see, there was, there was a reason why he bled there. Because he wants us to be blessed in what we put our hands to. Okay? The Bible says Abraham was blessed in every area of his life. Every area. And so if you look at where Jesus bled... He bled in every area of his life, every area of his body. There was some blood that was shed so that every area of our life could be blessed and we could walk in the favor that he's produced at the cross. Also, there's the seven sayings of the cross. 
And each one of those have been like our foundational column in our life to look at, you know, the seven last words of Jesus, the seven dying words, the seven dying phrases of Jesus. And so we've been going through those to uh, really get a good understanding of a found, our foundation. This is really important. So I want to, you know, review those. I did six of them, and then I quit, I quit on you. I gave up on you. Actually, I just took a little break. Okay, and I have one more to go today, but I want to go back through each one of them and just remind you and ask you really to let the Holy Spirit look at your heart and examine your heart and see if you have these pillars. The first one, are you all with me? Good. Sarah is. I'm right about the rest of you. Wherever you are. At Luke 23, 34, Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. That is pillar of forgiveness. Okay? And note the word they, meaning more than one person in your life, you're going to have to forgive. And number two, you have to always keep in your mind, they do not know what they're doing. We recently went through this thing where we forgave the government. <laughs> like... Lord, they don't know what they're doing. We just forgive them for it. They're making some terrible mistakes. They've done us wrong. But you really do have to apply that life. And you've got to have this foundation of forgiveness in your life, of of not only receiving the forgiveness of the Lord, but being able to give the forgiveness of the Lord. Number two, Luke 23, 43, And Jesus said said to him, Surely I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Jesus at his absolute worst moment that he could possibly be, not looking like a Savior, not looking like the Son of God, looking like everything opposite, did not forsake his identity. He knew who he was. That's the pillar of identity in your life. That, that Jesus remembered at that moment what the Father said to him that day when he was baptized. The heavens were opened. A dove came down out of heaven. And the Father spoke said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And at that moment, he did not look like a son. It didn't look like God was well pleased with him. You know, nothing seemed right, yet he remembered who he was. And we've got to get our identity settled in heaven once and for all. So we can face these moments. Amen? And the Father, well, I just say this, only the Father can give you your identity. Only the Father. Nobody else can. Y'all know that, right, in this church. If you don't know it by now, you don't know anything because there's nothing else to know. Because if you don't know that, then you're in trouble because that's what a Father does. The Heavenly Father gives identity. And He'll give you your identity because if He don't, somebody else will. Okay? So if you don't get it from him, somebody's going to slide it in on you. So fathers who have daughters and sons, make sure you give them their identity. That's your job. Because if you don't, the devil's waiting for them when, they, when he can get their hands on them as they get a little bit bigger. Amen? All right, number three, that's foundational, identities. Uh, John nineteen twenty six through 27. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And for that hour the disciple took her into his own home. That's the pillar of relationships. Okay? Really, I was saying, I think, you know, Becky has a disagreement on this. And then she's right. At least 50% of the issues that we face in the church with people are relational issues. Okay? A lot of, you know, people have financial issues. People have, you know, issues with their car. You know, people have issues with their house needing painting. You know, all these other issues in life. But really, what you know what? Everybody has relational issues. That's, in a lot of people, that's where a lot of people get messed up in life is relational issues. Okay? I mean, really and truly, that's if you look at the areas of root causes of problems in your life, they're relational. Your spouse did you wrong. Your daddy didn't love you. What he was mentioning. You never heard your dad tell you you love you. You never felt accepted. All these are relationally rooted issues. So that's really important in our life that we make sure relationships are right in our life. And if you're a person, if you look back on your life, you have a string of messed up relationships, God is trying to tell you something. He's trying to tell you that you have relational issues. That's a foundational problem in your life that He wants to solve for you. So I want to encourage you. You know, the enemy always goes after relationships. That's his, one of his main targets because a house divided can't stand. And if he can divide a home, that home won't stand. If he can divide a church, that church won't stand. If he can divide a nation, that nation won't stand. Do you see the importance of relationship? So everything, in, um, as, as far as your part is concerned, you know, Jesus said, live at peace with all men as far as you're concerned. And to really be a, pre, a person of peace, you know, that speaks peace and releases peace. And you can't speak peace and release peace unless you have peace inside of you. Amen? So I love the, the pillar of relationship because 
I need help in that area. Uh, John 9, the number 4 column, or his pillar is, And Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the Scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. And that's the pillar of hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Like every person is created with a hunger and a thirst in them. Every one of you have a hunger and thirst in you. In fact, we're the only created uh, beings that have that. We're thirsting for something spiritual given to us as a gift from God. But not all of us fulfill that gift of, and satisfy that thirst right, rightly. We're trying to, many of us feel satisfied in our hearts, but you're satisfying the thirst, you're satisfying the hunger with something else, which in the end really will, it's like, uh, you know, eating fast food. You may not feel hungry, but it's not good for you. You know, in one day, it's going to tell on you. So really, there's this desire. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Matthew mentioned that, that newcomer's class. I'll tell you, man, they was, I thought, man, these people are hungry. These are, don't you love to be around hungry and thirsty Christians? I'm talking people who really want God. That's a joy to be around versus these old mopey-dopey Christians who are unhappy. and uh, They've been Christians 90 years, and they've been, or they act like they have. And they're all crusty and miserable and full of... They, they've lost their joy. There's nothing... It's like, are these people still Christians? You know what I'm saying? The, you know, but, but you get around people who just hunger and thirst. See what it does? It pulls on you. There was a literal spiritual pulling in the room. That's why I felt something was pulling on me. You know, I, at first I wasn't really connecting with what was happening to me. Then I realized, it's these people in this room. These people are pulling on God. I can feel the pull, and somehow I got in on it. And it pulled something up in me. And we need to be the most hungry and thirsty people on the earth. And when we're not, we need to say, Lord, give us that. It is a gift from heaven. It's, we're blessed when we have it because we'll be filled over and over and over and over and over. And God never wants us to become satisfied. He wants us to be content in Him and who He is, but He never wants us to come to a place where we're, well, we've got this, we're full, we're happy, we're... No, we don't have enough. There's so much more. We only got a tiny bit of God. And so I love people who are hungering and thirst for the Lord. And they can be the most messed up people in the world, but be the most spiritual people in the world because they got a hunger for God. And He promises, He promises to fill people like that. So... Amen. I love that. It's the pillar of hunger and thirsting. All righty. Number five, G, uh, Matthew twenty-seven forty-six. This is the great one here. Uh, actually, uh, you know, Argentina is a... I, want, I was saying about this morning. Argentina is a place of revelation. There really is a, an anointing for revelation. If you, if you never get any revelation, just go to Argentina. Because you will get revelation in Argentina. The Lord spoke this scripture to me when I was in Argentina. We were uh, jogging around the... The park there, Becky and I were, when we were down there, there's this big old huge park, and we jogged over there. And unfortunately, I didn't wear jogging shoes. I wore hiking shoes. That was the hardest jogging I ever did in my life. I felt like every bone in my body was being rattled. But, you know, you want to get out and move around. But I was out doing that, and the Lord gave me this scripture. And it was like this whole world about the cross opened up for me at that moment. You know, and I remember the other time I'll share with you when I was down in Argentina that, that revelation comes when you're there. Now, if you live there, you might be used to it. You know what I'm saying? And not be getting that revelation. But I tell you, there's an anointing for revelation there. It's not over in Paraguay, because I was there. I didn't get no revelation last time I was over there. And uh, it's just not there. So you better go there. If you go to Paraguay, you better be bringing some revelation, because you ain't going to get any while you're there. That's the revelation you'll get. There's no revelation here, man. I better have my own, you know. But uh, this is the one where Jesus says, In the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Father, I'm not, no, he didn't say Father. He said something about Eli, you know, the book of Eli. You know, y'all know what that is. That's the Bible, right? I guess it is. I've never seen that movie. But something, he said something there. Eli, Eli, Lama, something. Yeah. I don't know what that word was, but this is what he said. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? The only time in the Bible that Jesus personally addressed God as God, He always addressed Him as Father up until this moment. It is because at that moment, Jesus had been totally forsaken by God 
and he knew it. And forsaken means uh, leaving someone in a state of defeat or helplessness in the most hostile circumstances to abandon one, to let one down. That's where Jesus was at. The Father had abandoned, totally abandoned him on the cross, left him there in the worst of state. That's what God the Father did to Jesus so we would never be abandoned by Him. And so anytime you ever feel abandoned, anytime you ever feel alone, left out, put out, there's a truth that you can go to. And you can go and see Jesus on the cross being abandoned. And you can know you don't have to be abandoned. That's a very important revelation because the world is full of abandoned people. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. We, well, you know, uh, I tell you, over in, I was thinking about other countries in Brazil. That is a big uh, problem in Brazil. Is the I don't know that they have a very good revelation of the Father in Brazil. Uh, we met some people from Brazil while we were in Argentina, and these were some wonderful people. They had such a powerful anointing on them to dance. It was incredible. There was a 42-year-old man who danced. Now, most 42-year-old guys who dance, you want to just slap them, right? Like, quit, <laughs> please. But this guy, when he danced, the presence of the Lord would come in an incredible way. It was awesome. So that's what these people did. They danced before the Lord, and they released the... It would change the atmosphere in the room. I mean, the worship team could be sloppy and, tr and, and just trashy, you know I mean? Couldn't do nothing. And they would release the presence of the Lord through their dancing. Well, these people had no revelation of the Father, though. They wept like babies when we prayed for them because they felt so abandoned and their heart had never experienced the Father's heart of love. Isn't that powerful? They had this spirit of abandonment on them like everybody does until it gets removed. Everybody's born with a spirit of abandonment. We're all born in this world as orphans. So I'm really... That's, see, this is one of the powerful things here that Jesus wants to do in the earth is let everybody know who will that he would never abandon and he would welcome them into his... So this is just a powerful one. It's one of my all-time favorites. It's also one of the seven sayings. It's the only one recorded in Matthew and Mark. Matthew and Mark don't record any of the others. They record this one. So this is really a, a real key one. Ooh, thank you, Jesus. So when, in the number six, uh, John nineteen thirty, uh, when Jesus had received the sour and he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. It is finished. That's, that's the pillar of, of patience and endurance as a believer. Patience and endurance. Uh, you know what? The Bible says if we don't have patience and endurance, we're not going to get what, we, what God has for us. It says that in, in Hebrews six twelve. He says, they said, don't become sluggish, but imitate, imitate those who faith and patience inherit the promises. Faith and patience. See, many Christians don't have faith and patience. They may have faith, but they don't have patience. They don't, they're not willing to go uh, the distance with God. Uh, Galatians 6 says that to don't grow weary in well-doing, for in due season you will receive a reward from the Father. And they say that in the context that says, God is not mocked. You will reap what you say. Now, we, we take that as a negative, which it can be a negative, but for us believers, it should be a positive because we are sowing unto God. We're, we're, we're going after God. We're sowing into God. And there's a promise if we will continue in season and out of season, God will bless us. God will enrich us. Um, I know a family who, when they're, when the, this was years ago, when their kids were all young, teenage, you know, young teenage kids growing up in the United States enjoying uh, the, the newsboys, <laughs> And just happy children, their parents just felt a call of God to pick their family up and move to another nation where they couldn't even speak the language. Okay? And they went, they gave up everything to go, to follow the call of God in their life. And today, those same children have grown up and they are making a lot of money because they went to this nation, learned how to speak this language, came back to America, and everybody needs somebody who can speak that language in America. That's the hand of the Lord. That's the, do you see that? The hand of God will come on you. And you may go through some hard times in your life, but if you will stay with God, God will reward you. And you will receive the, you'll see the reward. It's just not the reward in heaven. That's a good reward, by the way. 
But you will receive that reward. And I have known person after person after person who's given up things for God and did what God asked them to do to their own hurt. And I've seen the Lord reward them in their life in, in the years that followed. So I want to encourage you. Rick Joyner's most famous message that he ever stated was, we need a word of patience move. Right? We need a word of patience move. Because there's a word of faith move. And he was saying, where's the word of patience move? Because it's faith and patience. It ain't just one. You got that? And, and actually, Jesus said, it's with, with patience you possess your soul. That's what Jesus himself said. I think it's John 19. So that's one of the pillars of our life. It's patient, patiently enduring all the seasons of life. All righty. Is everybody good? Or did y'all follow those? Well, here's number seven. And we do have that one on the, on the screen. Woo, I'm getting tired now. We're going to slam. We're going to get hurt. We've we got to hurry up and get through this. Luke 23, 46. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. That was the very absolute last words that Jesus ever said before he, was, before he died on this earth. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Note that this is the pillar of trust. Okay, and this is what I want to tell you about trusting. That's what I want to talk to you about, trusting the Lord, okay? Uh, note that Jesus called him Father, where just a little bit ago, he was calling him God. He, he went back. He went back to at that moment. My God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you done this to me? He's gone back now saying, Father. It, I mean, he was dying. He was done. He was finished. Think about this is the worst thing that could ever happen to a person is to, is to die in the state that he died. He died in a terrible state, if you think about it. Uh, listen, listen to what this says, uh, Isaiah 53, verse 4. He was struck down by God and afflicted. He was struck down by God and afflicted. Isaiah 53, verse 10, it says, It pleased the Lord to crush him. That word pleased means the Lord took great delight and crushing Jesus. And so here is Jesus, this very God, this very Father who crushed Him, who delighted in doing that to Him, who afflicted Him and struck Him down. He is saying to Him, I commit myself to you. I commit myself to you. Have you thought about that? In the worst of moments, okay, have, have you thought about it? Let me ask you a question. How many people in this room worry well, there's a couple people who worry. Hey, uh, we were talking, we prayed for people in the first service who couldn't sleep who, at night. There was people who had problems sleeping, and the Lord was healing people of sleep problems. Uh, one girl said that she was losing sleep, and the Lord revealed to her because, number one, she had unforgiveness. And what was the other one? Self-pity or something? Yeah, it was a, just negative, and that actually kept the sleep thing that goes into your brain, serotonin, from working. And so you stay awake all night. Well, that was good. So you might want to, if you got that problem. But also a lot of people worry about, they worry. So does anybody worry about money in this room? Raise your hand. Okay. Does anybody worry about uh, relationships in this room? Raise your hand. Okay. How many people in this room worry about going to heaven when you die? Raise your hand. There was a person in the first service who literally raised their hand. One person who worried, who was concerned. So, so, but did you just catch that, though? Those of you who worry. You're concerned about your money, which is here today and gone tomorrow, but you are not concerned at all about your soul when you pass from this life. Now, think about it. Think, take that do you see that? Take the perspective. Do you see how insane that is? That Jesus trusted the ultimate thing to the Father. The ultimate thing is your soul. The ultimate thing is your spirit. Okay? That you have. That's really all you're going to have when you die. That's all that's left of you. What was that that person said? That said, uh, you read that to me, didn't you? No, somebody read this to me. We, it was C.S. Lewis. I mean, I'm trying to think of what he said. This is really good. He said this. He said... We don't have a soul. We are a soul that has a body. Yeah. We're not a body that has a soul. We're a soul that has a body. 
Isn't that pretty good? And that's the truth. That's the truth. You see, Jesus committed His very soul. The only thing, He committed His whole self to this Father who had crushed Him, who had pushed Him, who had beat Him down and struck Him down. He committed that to God. Okay? Because why did He do that? Because, you see, Jesus never forsook the Father. He never gave up on the Father, even though the Father gave up on Him. He never gave up. He, he never gave up. And so what happens with us is, see, we sit around and we have, and when we admit to worry, which we all do, most of the other ones didn't raise their hands or were lying. Because you do worry. Don't lie to me. I know. I worry. Okay? I'm not worried about money today, but I've got some other worries trying to get in my life. Okay? Not that I don't need money, but I just don't have any bills due right now. You know? I do. <laughs> She says, I do. I just don't know. You know, that's a, yeah. Yes, you do. <laughs> yeah. They only cost $20. I'll buy cheap jeans. <laughs> Becky said there's only one, her new rule is only one person in the house can wear designer jeans. Because y'all know how much designer jeans cost? I don't think anybody in the house should wear designer jeans myself. But that's another story. They're a hundred bucks for jeans. Have you ever heard of such craziness? Who would pay a hundred dollars for jeans? Or a hundred and fifty? People are crazy, man, I'm telling you. I couldn't believe it when I heard those jeans cost a hundred and fifty bucks. They last a long time. Well, my twenty dollar jeans have been lasting me for years. <laughs> no. Yeah, back to the revelation. So the perspective is this, is we had to ask ourselves, if we are trusting God with our soul, how come we can't trust Him with our finances? You know what I'm saying? Really. And that's why we had to have this pillar of trust in our life. If we can trust Him with the most important thing that we have, that we are, ourselves, how come we can't trust Him with all these other things? You know what I'm saying? And see, that's a foundation in your life. Now listen, I want to read this Second Timothy Verse 2 Timothy 1, 2, 12 through 14. For this reason I also suffer these things. He's talking about difficulties he's gone through because of his calling. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and persuaded that he's able to keep what I have committed to him to that day. What, what he's committed to him, to the Father. Hold fast the pattern of sound words. Listen, if you're an unsound Christian this morning, there are a lot of unsound Christians out there. They're just not sound in their... And what they in their doctrine, they're not sound in the way they look at life. I mean, a bunch of that stuff. And and honestly, nobody wants to be around you if you're unsound. I'm gonna be. I'm just gonna tell you the truth. It's the truth. You don't want to be around that because most unsound people, you can't help them. They don't want help because they know more. That's part of being unsound is you're in delusion. So don't be like that. Let help. Ask the Lord to help you not be delusional. Hold fast to parent. Yeah which you have heard from me in faith and love which in Christ. That good thing. Now, he's not talking about your soul. He's not talking about yourself. He's talking about the things that God has given you, the things that God has put in your life, your ministry, your calling. That good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. In other words, he was saying, you know, God has given us the Holy Spirit to help us keep the things that He's given us, that He's committed us to. Let me tell you my little story on Keith. Now, this is important. Uh, there was a man named Sam Menyika. Many people in this room probably remember him. He came to our church 10 years ago. You might not have been here, but he's an African preacher. A very powerful man, but a very mild man. You know, when he's not like, you know, a lot of these Africans preach like freight trains. Well, this guy's more of a teacher, but he's a real apostolic guy. One day back there, uh, Sam and his brother Noah, Noah Manica, who lives in Charlotte, who is a very powerful preacher. If you want to hear somebody preach the paint off the walls, go listen to him. He can just preach you down. He can preach you into a coma. <laughs> He'll preach you down, man, when you don't even... He's got so much anointing on him. It's powerful. I love to hear him preach. But uh, Sam teach you into a coma, but I'm talking about a good Holy Ghost coma. 
But Sam, me, it was me and Sam and, and Noah and uh, Jim here. We were spe- and Sam started praying for me, and he is not a wild person. I'm telling you, he was not wild. But he absolutely went ballistic praying for me. He was dancing around. He was jumping. He was screaming. He was about to knock me over, you know, praying, Lord, help him to keep. He was praying this prayer. Help him to keep what you have committed to him. And I really didn't understand it. Like, well, what the heck is this? I mean, you know, there's no big deal here in my life until what I was about to go into. I went through one of the greatest trials of my life not long after that where everything, it was really about my calling, where the enemy came to take my calling from me. It was a, it was a battle in my life where I almost just like, I'm quitting, I'm done, I'm finished, I can't do this no more. But this prayer of keeping, okay, God wants us to be able to keep. And you see, when Jesus was on that cross, He did not give Himself over to worry and frailty. He trusted God because that's ultimately the only way we can... He said, you've got the Holy Spirit who will enable you to do that. Or whatever it is in your life, worry will distract you from the keeper because God's the keeper. And here's the truth. I have been at a point in my life where I've said to the Lord, Lord, I cannot hang on to you anymore. And this is what he said to me. It's okay. I'll hold on to you. You see, in our worst moments, our lowest moments, God will hold on to us when we, when we sincerely said, it's just nothing left in me to hold on to you anymore. Not that I wanted to leave the Lord. I just didn't have anything at that moment. I was drained. I was emptied. And God will keep us if we'll allow Him to keep us. But I'll tell you, worry and fretfulness will keep you out of being kept by God. Let me read this, uh, Matthew six thirty one through 34. Therefore, do not worry. This is Jesus' very words, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? See, this is what He's really addressing this thing. See, Jesus lived this thing before He ever faced it. He lived it out when He was at the end, when He was hanging there dying. He knew that He could trust God with the most important thing. And so He's saying this, These lesser things like food, clothing, and drink. For all these things the Gentiles seek, For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But, this is what he says you do. This is how you do this. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Do you all know what Club Med style is? Anybody ever heard of Club Med? It's a vacation. You go on a vacation and you go to the motel and they have food there for you to eat that's free. They have Coca-Colas, <laughs> if you like Coca-Colas. They have, you know, paddle boats. They have surfing. They have, this is what I said in the first service, they have, if you're a single guy, they have pretty girls. And if you're a married man, they have blindfolds. <laughs> and they have a stick for your wife. <laughs> It's all-inclusive. Everything's inclusive. And Jesus, was, that's what He was saying. He was saying, don't, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then God will give you these things. He was saying, no, because the kingdom of God contains all of these things. And if we're putting our mind there, and if we're pursuing that, then we're going to have those things. But you cannot put your mind and seek the kingdom of God if you're worried. If you're worried about tomorrow, if you're worried about your money, Okay, if you're worried about your salvation, you can't have the kingdom of God. They don't, they're exclusive. You won't be, be seeking it. Here's another thing that's important right now. It says, seek the kingdom of God and, and His righteousness. Have you noticed in the past few years, the Lord has given the church a lot of revelation on the kingdom of God, right? Your kingdom come. Your, that's a great revelation, and there's a lot more to it. But I believe the Lord's releasing a revelation of His righteousness now. Okay? The righteousness of the Lord is a powerful thing. In fact, it says in Romans 5.17, with, gra- uh, with the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness is how we rule in this life. That's where s- true spiritual authority comes from. It comes from the grace of God and the righteousness of God. And if you want authority, that's how you do it. You tap into His grace and you let His righteousness come a- upon you. Well, this vision I saw of the Lord recently... Is, is really, I wanted to tell you, the one thing I did see that, was, that stood out to me is the breastplate of righteousness. I saw his chest area. I saw the breastplate of righteousness. But it wasn't like you think. The breastplate of righteousness, it was like this breastplate was built into him. It wasn't something that was on him. It was something that was a part of him. 
And this breastplate, on this breastplate, there was like these gold strands that ran down into it. Like it was inlays of gold. But it, this breastplate, it was like this breastplate was alive. It breathed. And it was releasing life. Okay, that's what it was doing. And see, God really, that's all I'm going to tell you right now. It was good, I'll tell you that. The seven spirits of God were there. You know, that's what the Bible talks about. Uh, right? Is that, is that right? As Isaiah and, 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 and Revelation. See, God wants to release that, a revelation. That's why that was the thing He drew my attention to, was His, his chest area. But it, the life coming out of it is really, remarkably, is there's nothing on earth like what I saw. There's no words that could really describe it closely. You know how Ezekiel describes the wheel in the middle of the wheel in Ezekiel when he saw all that stuff? He didn't have words. He was just saying, this is the best I can understand. It's like a wheel and another wheel. And they were moving around and doing all this stuff. But, you know, some people said that's a spaceship he was seeing. You know, this UFO he was seeing. I mean, these were crazy people. He was just describing with the words that he had based on what he's seen in the natural. And so the Lord is not like, there's nothing like the Lord. There's nothing like His glory. The Lord's going to release a revelation of His righteousness. That's really what He wants to do for us to add to, to increase our revelation of the kingdom of heaven. This thing is really going to come on the earth. It's going to come on the church. And the churches are going to begin to know who we really are. You see, that's a key to knowing who you really are is to knowing that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Second Corinthians 5, right? That's who you really are. And when you are acting like a jerk, okay, and thinking like a jerk, you are just not act, you're acting contrary to who you really are. It doesn't mean you're not still who you are. You're just not acting true to yourself, to your true self. And God really wants to release that to the church. And see, when we begin release, when that begins to become a reality to the church, then the authority to do the things that God's called us to do. Because that's the only way you can do things that God's called you to do is with authority. You've got to have authority to do it. But once you have that authority, you can do whatever you need to do. And I believe the Lord's going to release this revelation of His righteousness. That we're going to see it because He says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Seek those two things in your life. Begin to ask God to reveal those more and more to you. And something's going to happen that's going to change your life. And all this worrying stuff you're going to do, you're going to quit worrying. You know, you're going to stop worrying because then when you have this revelation of righteousness, you're going to have the authority to deal with those things that are worrying you sick. You're going to have authority to speak into those things. Are you all with me? All right, I'm trying to get through. All right, here I'm going to just finish on this one last verse. Acts. I hope this is making sense to you all. We're talking about the cross, okay? We're talking about pillars. Acts 2, verse 25. Uh, now, if you want to know how to do this, this is practical right here. This, I, the reason I was saying there's a, a spirit of revelation in Argentina is a few years ago I was in Argentina and I was speaking in this church and I was speaking, I was using this verse here as a, for something in the message and, and I, as I was speaking, the Lord started giving me revelation on this verse. I was talking about something else, but the Lord was giving me real revelation as I was speaking, and, in, and I'm telling you, for, for since that time, this verse has been like a key factor in my life. Uh, I won't, you guys have had that happen, right? Where you've said stuff that you knew wasn't you, right? You were, words were coming out of your mouth, and you know, these didn't, I didn't originate these words. These words came from somewhere else. They came from heaven, and, you know? Well, I, have a, I want to tell you about my friend in Florida who's a pastor. He called me, and he said, Byron, I preached the greatest message I ever preached in my entire life. He said, it was so good, I went back and listened to it and took notes. <laughs> Seriously. He said, I had no clue what I was talking about. I had no clue. It was like God, for the first time, He took over me, and He spoke, and I had to go back and listen to it myself to get, and make, get all the major points because it was such powerful revelation. Isn't that awesome? Well, see, that's the kind of revelation I was getting down there in, in South America. you got a good place down there, you know? So you can go down I'm just encouraging maybe you can go down there and get some revelation if you're not getting any. But this is the one. And this verse continues to be the, the, a major force in my, my spiritual life. David said concerning the Lord, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for He is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Okay? Now listen to this. This is from Psalm 16. 
If you read common people who know stuff, theologians stuff, they say Psalm 16 was the last, was Jesus' personal prayer as he was dying. That when, as Jesus was dying, he was talking to this very God saying, I'm still seeing you right into death. I'm not taking my eyes off on you right into death. Right into my last moments, I'm going to keep my eyes on you, Father. Even though you've crushed me, even though you have rejected me, even though you have forsaken me, I'm not taking my eyes off on you right to the very, till it's over with. And I know when I pass, you're going to be there. That's what he was saying. That verse literally means this. I foresaw the Lord always before my face. It means I hold him vividly present before me through every occasion. I hold Him vividly present before me through every occasion. And we know that's how Jesus lived His life because He says, I only do what I see the Father doing. In other words, He vividly held the Father before Him on every situation. So practically, this is what God was showing me back. Practically, if you and I really want to, the way we are meant to live our life in every situation, every circumstance, no matter what it is, we are to see the Lord. We are to look for God wherever we go. Every relationship, every feeling, every thought that we have, we have to, to say, is this God? In other words, you can have an opinion, okay? And that opinion may not be God's opinion. And so how you hold the Lord vividly is you ask Him, is this your opinion? And at one day He will say, that's my opinion. And you were very lucky that day. <laughs> Maybe really very blessed that your opinion happened to be his opinion. But there's many days, or at least in my life, where the Lord says, No, Byron, that is not my opinion. Here's my opinion. And it would be opposite, and many times I have not liked his opinion. But you know what we do? Is you say, Yes, Lord. I, I repent. Here's your opinion, is my opinion. You see that? That's a practical way to hold the Lord vividly. That's a practical way of seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. It's just inquiring of the Lord. Just asking God, what is going on in this room? What are you saying? How do you feel about this person? What do you have to say about that person? And God is looking for people who will go into that situation like this. I will surrender to whatever you say or think. Up front. Not after He says it, you know, like, well, I like that. That's cool, Lord. I'll go with that. And it'll change your life. It, will, it literally will change your life. It will change the way you see everything. Because David wasn't walking around. David's the one who wrote Psalm 16. He was not walking around in an open vision all the time. You're not going to walk around in an open vision all the time. Just go ahead and settle that. As much as I would like to do that, you would die. You would literally die because it would kill you eventually. Your flesh couldn't live like that. It would just overwhelm it. But you can inquire the Lord. You can say, Lord, what's your opinion? Lord, what's your attitude? What do you feel? What do you see, Lord? And if you will begin, and somebody was telling me that takes too much trouble. Somebody had told me that. I was telling this one. That's too much trouble. No, it's not. Because you're having thousands of thoughts running through your mind all the time. It's just, a, just taking the moment. And as you begin to do that and cultivate that, you'll begin to see the Lord more and more and more and more and more and more and more. And this is what I believe personally, and I can't really prove this by the Bible, but I can prove it by my life. I started doing that, and now I'm starting to have open visions. Okay, because I started seeing the Lord like that. And then, as I made that a part of my life, then He started opening up the spiritual world. You see that? Do y'all see that? And you see, that's really what I call trust in the Lord. That's the pillar of trust. Where you're trusting what He's saying. You're trusting His opinion over everything else, over all your circumstances. Because that really is what Jesus walked into death with. I'm trusting you with my life. I'm trusting you with everything. Because Jesus knew this. He knew the Father said, because Jesus kept saying it over and over. Well, they're going to kill me, but after three days I'm going to come back alive. You know, I'm okay. and nobody had ever done that. I mean, people had been raised from the dead, but guess what? Jesus raised a bunch of them, you know, and so he was going to be dead. Isn't that awesome? That he, but he raised himself. What well, the Bible says, the Father raised him. That's pretty powerful to me. I hope it is to you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Then the, let me read this other one, verse to you. Are y'all good? He says, therefore, 
Because he did this, see, you want to be a joyful Christian or you want to be one of them old mopey Christians? Therefore, my heart rejoiced. It didn't say I rejoiced in, the, in, the, in, the, in my circumstances. My heart rejoiced because I was seeing the Lord. And my tongue was glad. That sounds like a pretty good Christian to me. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope. My flesh. Do y'all get that? My flesh. My flesh will rest in hope. My flesh. I'm talking about this old carnal nature, this old brain that's running 98 miles an hour. It's going to come to rest in the hope that God is going to be there for me. God is not going to leave me in this. No matter what's happening, no matter what, what's going on, no matter what the government does, no matter what my spouse does, no matter what the pastor of the church does, no matter what anybody does, I can rest in hope because I've saw the Lord. And I've trusted what He has said. And I've believed what He has said. And I have allowed God to work those things into my life. And as we begin to do that, everything in our life changes. Everything, everything. And God is looking for that for people. He is looking for people who will say, I am a worrywart, Lord. I'm a worrywart. I've worried myself sick. I've made myself sick worrying. That's a good day when you can say that to the Lord. And He says, okay, but can you trust in me? Like I did. See, I've already done it for you. I've already went the extra mile. I've, I've trusted the Father to the ultimate. And guess what? I trust Him even after He totally rejected me and crushed me. I still trust Him. He will never totally reject you. He will never crush you. Did you know this? Let me, I want you to know this. God will never be mad at you. Ever. I heard this person say, well, I got this revelation about the wrath of God on the, on the church one Sunday when I was leading worship. I thought, man, I'm glad I wasn't in that church. Because there they was obviously a bunch of unsaved, messed up, demonic stuff in that church. The wrath of God. There weren't no Christians there. Because Jesus took the wrath of God on Himself for us. He took it. Now, that doesn't mean God may be happy about what we're doing. But as far as you personally speaking, He will never be angry with you. He will always love you, always care about you. He might say, man, don't do that. <laughs> Please don't do that. It's going to mess you up. Do you see that? That's important because a lot of Christians think God's mad at them. Well, I'm here to tell you that's a lie from hell. God is not mad at you. If you're a believer, God's not mad. Jesus suffered intensely. And we need to get that revelation. God loves us. He's happy with us. Okay? He cares about it. He don't want us to think that He's mad. That's what the Bible calls propitiation. It means Jesus took all the wrath for all our wrong upon Himself so that we wouldn't have to experience wrath. That's a powerful revelation. So don't be worried about God being mad at you. All right, here's what we want to do. Are y'all good? Yeah. It was all done on the cross. Now, who in here worries? Raise your hand. Stand up if you're a worrier. I had a vision um, about two weeks ago where I saw a woman coming toward me. She had a cloak on, and I felt like it was really a heavenly thing, and I felt like the Lord said to me, Lady Wisdom. And so I really feel like the Lord is releasing this wisdom of the seven sayings of the cross and the seven places where Jesus bled, that those are the pillars and the foundation that we're to base and live our life upon. And she's coming at us. She was looking straight at me. And so I just really wanted to release that this morning for those who are in worry. Because when we build our lives upon the foundation of the cross, there's no worry. Jesus has already done it. He's taken it all. We just enter into what he's done. And so I just wanted to pray that thing. Did, were you going to say something too, John? Okay. Real quick before I pray. Um. I don't know who taught it to me, but I learned it before I needed it. And it was it's a metaphysical thing. The part of your brain that you used to worry, it was created to pray. So 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 change the word from worry to concern and then convert it to a prayer concern. Um, a lot of you don't know, but four years ago we had a lot of opportunities to pray. And basically the doctors would come with their bad report and all it was was a prayer concern. They'd come with their concern and we'd pray about it and, and he did miracles through that. So use that. Thank you, Lord. Wow, that's powerful. 
So I know everybody in this room is guilty of worrying. So I'd like for you to all stand up. I don't know. It's just not the truth if you're sitting there saying, I don't worry. I mean, it's just not the truth. So in the way we get free is by truth. But that lady wisdom's right at us right now. And here's what she's offering to us. Everything that Jesus said on the cross and everything, every place where he bled, that is the foundation for our life. And that's the truth that we hold to. And so, Lord, right now, in Jesus' name, Lord, as Lady Wisdom is coming at us with those seven pillars, Lord, we just say again, we reaffirm, Lord, Lord, that we would be the church, Lord, that's built upon these truths of the gospel, Lord. Lord, of every place where you bled for us, And every saying upon that cross, Lord, where you took this all for us. Lord, we say today, Lord, that we want to take all that worry. Lord, we want to turn it into, Lord, into a prayer, Lord, where we are anxious for nothing, Lord, but in all things, with uh, thanksgiving, with prayer, Lord, we give it to you. Lord, because you've already done it for us. And we enter in, Lord, every worry and care that we have for family, for finances, for jobs, Lord, for relationships, God, just all these areas where we just get beat with. Whew. Oh, wow. Lord, we just right now just receive that lady wisdom coming at us. And, Lord, that we hold on to these truths, Lord. Lord, every lie that the enemy would come at us with, just like Marlon said Wednesday night, that the devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. And Lord, we hold to the truth of the gospel of everything you did for us on the cross. We hold to these truths, Lord God. We hold to these truths, Lord. These pillars of our faith, Lord God. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody that really is really struggling with worry... We just want you to come up. There was a ministry team people. You, you want to do something? It's just, yeah, if there's ministry people that can come up, I feel like there's some that have strongholds of worry that really need to get that broken over them. And, um, and uh, we just want people praying for you. So thank you, Lord. Ooh, I'm really feeling the Lord up here right now. Really feeling the Lord. There, I think there is really power up here to break this thing of worry over us. Where we will trust in the Lord with all of our hearts and lean not into our own understanding. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Woo. Come on. If that's you, the Lord wants to break this thing this morning. Lady Wisdom, she's right here and she's handing us, oh, these truths that we hold to that we're going to be able to grab onto this morning. Thank you, Lord. Oh, yeah, we got ministry team people to come on up. Yeah, there's no, it's like Byron said, we believe fully woo, and that we're going to heaven. The Lord's going to give us that much security. He's going to release that much security over us today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Woo. Yeah, we just released the blood of Jesus over this room this morning. The blood of Jesus. Oh, let it wash. Wash over us today, Lord. Wash over us. Wash over us, Lord God. Wash. Wash over us, Lord. Whoa. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus.